0: Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you guys are doing okay. I've been feeling a little down. I'm just so disturbed by what's going on in our world today. And just when you think things kind of couldn't get worse, it's getting even worse. And it's just hard to raise kids in general in this environment. And it's even harder, I think, to raise our anxious kids who feel these things on a deeper level, who have a hard time getting out of these feelings. And it's hard for even adults or people who are not anxious to cope with just all the struggles and sadness that is going on in our world right now. So I wanted to devote this episode to teach you how to help your anxious kids help themselves. It's one of the most common things I'm asked is how do I get my kid? How do I get my child to help themselves? And a lot of times overzealous parents with well-intentioned purpose over help and kind of rob their children inadvertently of the opportunity to help themselves. So I want to talk about what that is, what it looks like, and how do you get started? What are your first steps in developing a foundation where your child is going to be in an environment that fosters them to help themselves? And it is a slippery slope because with anxiety, you can easily fall into the category of helping your child by cocooning them or by solving their anxiety or swooping in. And unfortunately, a lot of times that develops kind of a secondary attachment issue where they become super anxious if they're not around you, because you are the answer. You are the solution to their anxiety. And so they need you to be around in order to feel okay. And we don't want that to happen. We want our kids to feel good when we're not around Um, it's nice to feel loved and it's nice to feel wanted, but I don't want my kids to feel dependent on me. And there is a difference. So we're going to go into that today. But first, just a little bit about what's going on in the AD parenting survival world. It's June. And so at the end of this month, starting on June 23rd, I am kicking off my self-care series for parents who are raising kids with anxiety or OCD. Um, I do this a couple of times a year. It is a very popular series. I'm always surprised at how many emails I get from people who say it really impacted them. And it's a totally free series. They are a three-part video series. And then I also do Facebook Lives to supplement it. So it's just this week-long program to really help you learn how to help yourself. And it's not about bubble baths and chocolate. (laughs) I always say that every time I'm talking about my self-care series. It's about your mindset It's about things that you can concretely do to help yourself. And if you don't do these things, unfortunately, our kids do struggle because in my practice, I have found that the kids that do better are the ones that have parents who set up this self-care in the way that I'm going to be talking about in this video series. So if you haven't ever caught my video series before, or you're like, ma'am, that would be a great refresher. It's a good reminder of everything I need to be doing to help myself so I can help my kids. You can sign up and I will email you when the series begins and give you the links to the videos and you can sign up at www.bit.ly that's B-I-T-L-Y, slash self-care series four. that self-care series four. I will leave links in the show notes as well. Okay. So let's get on with how to help our anxious kids help themselves. Now I am raising three kids with anxiety, two with OCD as well. I am a recovering anxious person can never be fully cured of anxiety, but I grew up as an anxious person and I had to learn the hard way how to help myself because my anxiety wasn't really recognized. Everybody, my whole family had a lot of dysfunction. So I was the, the least on fire person going on in there. So I didn't get any attention around my own anxiety. And I was dealing with so many external things that I didn't have time to even think about my own anxiety or how to help myself until I was in my 40s. That's not good, we don't want our kids to have that. We want them to be able to develop those skills early so they can help themselves. So I wanna talk about six ways that you can kind of develop this foundation to help your kids start to help themselves. Now, this isn't gonna happen overnight, and in fact, it won't happen maybe for a really long time for some of your kids. But, and I, I say this all the time. So if you hear me and, and you listen to me a lot, you're going to hear me say this. You are in the passenger seat. This is like the number one Natasha quote because I say it so much. You're in the passenger seat and your child is in the driver's seat. And they get to decide when they put on the brakes and they get to decide when they put on the gas. And we are navigating. We are helping them navigate. We can tell them, watch out. There's a bump ahead, but we don't get to drive over that bump or a swerve and make sure they don't hit it because that's not teaching them how to drive, which on a literal level, I actually do need to teach my 16 year old how to drive. She's been avoiding it. That's my next anxiety related issue I have to deal with for her. Um, They just hit different developmental milestones. and Then you have to target the next thing. Um, She's just not wanting to drive. And I'm sure many of you can relate to that as well. So the first step, number one out of six, we'll do a countdown or count up is educate your children. So If your kids don't know what anxiety is and they don't know how anxiety works, there's no way they're going to learn how to beat their own anxiety. So we don't want this to be muddy. And a lot of times parents avoid this conversation because they don't want to label their kids. I don't want to tell them they have an anxiety disorder. They already feel different or they already are sensitive or don't we all have a little bit of anxiety? So we normalize it or we stigmatize it and We have to be very clear cut with our kids in order to give them a roadmap of how to get out of anxiety. I always say to my kids, anxiety, you know, genetically we're given anxiety, but we get to decide what we do with it, right? So I'm born with anxiety, but I get to decide if I live with anxiety. And I'm choosing to not live with an unhealthy dose of anxiety. And I don't want my kids to live with an unhealthy dose of anxiety either. So educating them is key. So we don't have to pathologize it, but I say, Anxiety disorders run in our family. It's genetic. So just like blue hair and blonde eyes, or in my case, brown hair, brown eyes, anxiety runs in our family too. So does diabetes, right? But unfortunately, if we get diabetes, we're going to probably have to take some medication. We're probably going to have to do some medical stuff. But the cool thing with anxiety is we can change our brain just by changing our thoughts and our behavior. That's a good place to start. Not that medication is a bad thing. I'm not talking about medication, but I'm just saying that if I had diabetes, I wouldn't be able to think my way out of diabetes. That's just you know, not going to be a possible thing. I'm going to have to take some medication. So I like to be uplifting in the sense that there's things that we can do to change this. And that is actually really cool. I also have a kid's YouTube video on the superpowers of anxiety. So I also like to start with that. And you can find that you can go to youtube.com slash anxious 78. It's not for toddlers. I always have to feel like I have to say that and type in superpowers in the search button on my channel. And you'll find that video I'm talking about. So educate them, let them know that anxiety loves avoidance. The best fuel for anxiety is for you to avoid. And the more you avoid, the bigger it grows. And so we don't want that to happen. And you have to learn how to face your fears one small step at a time so that you're not growing your anxiety and you're teaching what I call the overreactive lifeguard that it's having a false alarm. Okay. I'm not going to go way into talking about how to educate them because this is more of a big snapshot on how to help your kids empower themselves. So the second thing I want to mention is modeling. So when we model for our kids, how we deal with our own anxiety And even if you don't have an anxiety disorder, how you deal with your own struggles can be very helpful. So with my kids, they know I have social anxiety and I talk about that. And I talk about, Oh, you know, I'm doing this thing and it's a real challenge for me. And these are my red thoughts and red thoughts and green thoughts are like your anxious thoughts and your empowering thoughts. I talk a lot about that in my crush anxiety class in teaching kids a visual of their good thoughts and bad thoughts. And so I will tell my kids, you know, I had these red thoughts that people were going to laugh at me or people were not going to like me or not support me. And my green thought was, you know what? I can handle that. If they're going to laugh at me, then that's their problem because I'm confident in who I am. So I also teach my kids to accept the worst case scenario. We'll get into that a little bit, um, because you can't do that for every fear. So I model. And then when things happen and they go, well, I share that with my kids. So they're not my confidant. I'm having intention with how I'm modeling these things. But then I say, you know, that was really rough for me. You know, I was shaking. I felt nauseous, but I did it anyway. Even though my body was, you know, shutting down, I was going to power through this because I wanted to show my anxiety that you can make me physiologically feel anxious, but I'm still going to do it. And so the next time I'm not going to feel as jittery because I already have experienced it and it's going to get easier and easier every single time. And that's so true for me because... Starting this whole online journey 5 years ago, I was a mess. Like I was not cut out for being in the spotlight, for people knowing my name, and in fact for a long time, the first couple of years, I didn't really share my name. I just had my blog name. And then somebody kept telling me, "You know, you have to put your name out there." And I was like, "No, it's not about me." And I was very reluctant to do it, partly I think because of my social anxiety. I didn't want the spotlight on me. So, doing things, even though your body physiologically is telling you not to when it's anxiety is a good thing to teach our kids that our body can make us feel nervous, but those feelings are not a medical emergency. They don't feel good. But when we still do the things that make us anxious, those feelings eventually go away. I did Facebook lives over and over and over again with my social anxiety where I would literally be shaking, but you couldn't tell. And over time, it just became like a non-issue. I mean, Granted, it took me like a couple of years. I ain't going to (laughs) lie. But now five years later, talking to you on a podcast, being interviewed by somebody, speaking in front of a few hundred people digitally or like virtually. I don't know about on, I don't know about in real life. I don't think I'm quite there yet for a live audience, but I can talk to a group of people and it doesn't face me. So model that's number two. (laughs) Okay. Number three is you want to help them develop new ways of thinking themselves. So, and I say this a lot if you spoon feed them green thoughts, like for instance, if your child is saying, I'm scared, I'm afraid like a bad guy's gonna break in, I don't wanna go to sleep, and you say, honey, don't worry, I'm right here, you're safe, I'll protect you, you're giving your child a couple of mixed messages. One, you're teaching them what to think instead of them generating their own thoughts. Every parent does this, so don't feel bad if this is what you're doing, because that's what probably a good parent would do, right? However, we don't want to generate those thoughts for them. We want them to start to have to think about what those thoughts will be for a couple of different reasons. One, it gets hardwired in their brain when they think of it themselves. I have seen that time and time again in therapy. Two, they might have different green thoughts, positive thoughts than you would give them. And they may not believe the thoughts that you're giving them. And so they're not as sticky. They're not going to stick in their brain. So we want them to generate those thoughts. And three, when the brain has to mull over the answer, like a lot of times in therapy, I'll ask kids questions mainly because I just want their brain to think about what I'm talking about. So I'll say, what do you think I'm going to say? Or what do you think would be an answer for that? Just what's your best guess? I'll say that a lot. What's your best guess? So there's no pressure. And I'm doing that on purpose because I want their brain to think about the answer for them. So instead of swooping in and saying to my child, you're safe, I'm right here. Everything's fine. The doors are all locked. I'd want to say, what are your green thoughts? What can you tell yourself? Now you want to do this stuff away from the moment where they're feeling anxious. So not in the moment, ideally, It would be, Hey, I see a pattern that my child's having a hard time sleeping at night. And so during the day, when they're in a good place, I'm going to sit with them. I'm going to say, let's just spend a half an hour talking about your anxiety. We might name it. I'm a big fan of naming it if they're willing. And then I might say, what are your green thoughts? What are your red thoughts? Let's write them out. And then what are your green thoughts? And they have to be related. So it's not like my, my red thought is someone's going to break in. And my green thought is rainbows and butterflies. They're so beautiful. No, it's not distraction. It's kind of behavioral therapy. We're attacking that distorted belief or we're accepting and trying to work through it so that it's not a scary thought, depending on what the fear is. I'm just using bedtime as an example, but it could be anything. Now, I will have to say, and this is a total side note of what I'm talking about, I don't like the language, you're safe because I'm right here. And even though that is the most normal thing to say to your kids, and I have said it all the time to my kids. When I don't catch myself, I don't want my kids to think that I'm protecting them at night. I don't want them to think that I'm keeping guard. I don't want them to think that they're safe because I'm near, because that really encourages separation anxiety and dependence on me and where I am at bedtime. So i much rather say, "Um, we are all safe in this house. You are safe in this house. And what could you tell yourself and have them generate thoughts? So a little shift in language. I do have full podcasts on this. I have quite a few podcasts on sleep and I even have a complete online class called how to help kids who are scared to sleep. So if you're interested in that, I have videos for parents and videos for kids. And I just walk you through my kind of my sleep approach that I teach in my therapy. And you can go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. You can see that there. I have a library of about seven classes online and sleep is one of them because sleep is such a big issue. I also have one on difficult behavior because I find that sleep and difficult behavior are like the two main things people want to talk to me about besides just anxiety and OCD. (laughs) It's interesting. So a little tangent, but I wanted to give you a little extra help. You can also search my podcast because I have sleep podcasts on here. So help your children develop new ways of thinking. Don't spoon feed it. Now You might have to initially kind of get them started and that's okay. But down the road, once you've planted those seeds, you push it back to them and you say, what's a green thought for that? Or what can you tell yourself? They're not going to always do that. So please don't think this is all going to be like smooth sailing because it's not. Your kids might fight back, but stick with it and definitely plant those seeds because over time it will help. I will end with a positive story that will show you this. Okay. That is the third one. The fourth one is teach your kids to play detective. So this is for depending on their anxiety theme. If I have a child who's afraid at night, like my child is, my 10-year-old, I would say, if he's saying, I'm afraid of the closet, or I thought I heard a noise, I teach my kids to play detective. How brave can you be? Can you go and check out the closet? And if not, that's, it's not black and white. It's, can I come with you? And then can you be the one to open the door to check the closet with me there? So there's a lot of gray, a lot of in between. So we wanna teach our kids to play detective in situations where they're scared of noises or sounds or shadows. We wanna empower them. My fifth one is teach kids to do it anyway, right? So this goes back to my story before I just got started where I wasn't feeling good about it. I was feeling shaky. I was feeling really anxious. And it's good to teach our kids what physiologically anxiety can do to your body to how to recognize that, how to know that it's not a medical emergency, but it's your anxiety and how to do things anyway, because anxiety just wants to shut it down. Anxiety says, whoa, you're not feeling good. Does this feel good? There's a very quick, easy way to get rid of this feeling. Just don't do it. You're going to feel fine. Just avoid it. you will be fine. So I teach my kids and the kids in my practice to recognize those feelings, acknowledge them. Yep. My anxiety's showing up. That's kind of expected because I knew I was going to be nervous about this. And then I'm still going to do it. So it's okay to function in that feeling. That feeling will eventually go away. So I have taught my daughter who has uh, metaphobia last school year. Well, yeah, it was last school year because this school year kind of went better, but we did have our Rocky moments. She would wake up in the morning and she'd feel nauseous. And we would say, yep, that's your O-Cloud. She has OCD as well, so we named it her O-Cloud. That's your O-Cloud. What does your O-Cloud do? Well, my O-Cloud makes me feel sick. It makes me feel nauseous. So what's a green thought that you can tell yourself? Well, I know that I never really throw up at school. And if I do, I'll go to the nurse and you'd come and you pick me up. So it'll be okay. Now, I like that caveat with some anxiety themes. I like kids to get to accept the worst case scenario. Now if it's a bad guy breaking in, I don't want my kids to accept that the worst case scenario is someone's going to come in and kill them. <laughs> That's not very like comforting. But for some themes, we can get them to accept the worst worst case scenario. So definitely with a metaphobia, okay, if I throw up, can I survive? So not you won't throw up and let me tell you why you won't throw up. It's more of if you do throw up, you're still going to be okay. And the light I you know you can sprinkle in that's what I used to say to my daughter. The likelihood of you throwing up is probably pretty small, but if you do, it's okay, right? You might, I don't know, but if you do, what can you tell yourself? What is your green thought? So again, we're we're teaching them to do it anyway. We're teaching them to work through the physiological feelings of anxiety, and we're teaching them to tackle their red thoughts with their green thoughts. And the last thing I would mention is to set up challenges. And I talk a lot about this in my Crush Anxiety online class. I talk a lot about it in my podcast. I talk a lot about it in general. And I really feel like this is the meat and potatoes of getting our kids to help themselves, is we lay out all this foundation. And my my Crush Anxiety class really does go through this in very minute detail. So if you are like, whoa, she's rushing through this and I really want to get this, my crush anxiety class would be a good class to take because I have worksheets and I go through this in painstaking detail to set this up so that it is seamless and perfect. But this is a nice broad view of the approach that I take with my kids and with the kids in my practice and in my online class. So set up challenges. And what that means is have your child do something difficult and reward them. So I do challenges all the time. I use this app called Privilege App because I find it was a really easy app to convert. I think it's meant for chores and privileges, but I just wrote exposures and challenges and had like my own privilege, like rewards for them and they have it on their iPad. And so when my kids are anxious, which is a lot because they have anxiety and OCD, I will challenge them. So with my son in the past, recent past, he wouldn't want to go upstairs to get his shoes or go upstairs by himself or go upstairs to clean out like the garbage bins if that was his chore. And so I would say, You can take a challenge. You can earn a point if you just go up there and get your shoes and come down. And then he would say yes or no. And that's up to him. I'm not going to force a challenge on my kids per se, but I will highly encourage it. And, you know, sometimes we'll even negotiate and I'll sweeten the pot because I want them to challenge themselves. I'm not going to give them a challenge that's too ridiculous that I know they're not going to be able to do. I find that sweet spot where it's something I know will make them slightly uncomfortable, but they can do it. So find that sweet spot. So those are the main six things that I recommend to lay out the foundation of helping your kids help themselves. I'll end with a little story. I have been doing this forever with my son who's 10. And for a long time, when he was younger, it really felt like I was talking to the wall. I educated him about anxiety. I modeled it. I tried to help him develop new ways of thinking. I did the red thoughts and the green thoughts. I played detective. Do it anyway. Set up the challenges. And um, he was very, very reluctant. Now, granted, he got pans and he had some OCD issues. And so he had ARFID. Like a lot of things complicated his battle with anxiety. But just this morning, it was so funny. My eight-year-old was having a problem. She could not sleep last night. And we just bought her this cute little doll yesterday and she was afraid of it all night. She's the one that picked out the doll, you know, not me. So my son was trying to teach her how to face her fears. And that was just so beautiful. He was going a little off a way that I wouldn't have done it. He was like, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? (laughs) Which I thought was so funny because my seeds are sprouting in him. He is playing detective at night. He is doing his green thoughts. Um, I used to have to stay upstairs when they would fall asleep. And lately I've been going back downstairs and letting them know. I've been saying, you know, I'm going to go downstairs. I'm tucking you in and then I'm going downstairs. I will not be up here. And I'm saying that on purpose so they can know that they're doing it by themselves. And I'm not creeping downstairs and sneaking away. I'm letting them know they are they are ready and they can do this on their own. And they are doing it, except my daughter had a really bad night last night. She probably woke me up, I would have to say, literally like probably 12 times. I did not get a lot of sleep last night, and neither did she because of this new doll. So my son was like, well, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, even if that doll came to kill you, like it's really tiny. (laughs) It's not going to really hurt you that bad. And I was like, I took him aside and I was like, thank you so much for trying to help her. I love how you're trying to help her. I would try this other approach, you know, that the doll's fake and like it's plastic. Let's go touch it. And he's like, well, knowing that it's really tiny and I can beat it, that always makes me feel better. (laughs) So that's seeds. It's only been in the last six months that he started to really vocalize and talk about his anxiety and OCD in that way where he's actually even helping his sister. So be patient. Don't expect miracles overnight. But trust me, when we do this stuff, we're building healthy adults. We're planting seeds. We're building skills that will be lifetime access for our kids versus if we swoop in, provide all those platitudes, make our kids feel safe in the moment, but they are not doing it themselves. So baby steps, it's not ripping the band-aid off, but moving towards independence is key. So I hope you found that helpful. If you are enjoying the podcast, hit a star on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. I appreciate that. And if you have a few extra seconds and you can leave a review, that's even more appreciated because parents like to read those and it does help get parents to know that there's some value in this show. To end my show and show my gratitude, I always like to read one of them. I want to thank Victoria in Alaska, a very good podcast for a mom trying to figure out what it is that causes my struggles and how to help my beautiful, unique boy. It is also comforting to know I am not alone and other parents have the very same concerns. Well, thank you for writing a review. I really appreciate that. And if you write a review, maybe I'll be reading yours next time. So don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday